0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello from Brandeis University and welcome to Recall This Book Collaboration Edition. I'm John Plotz. Along with our recent conversation with journalists Steve Feineru and Mark Feineru Wada, today's conversation with the celebrated Argentinian composer Francisco Del Pino asks, among other things, what it is like for musicians and poets to make work together. Recall, this book considers itself very lucky to have the conversation with Francisco, who's a guitarist and a frequent musical collaborator from his youth, as well as a composer. You may already know his debut album, Desir. If not, stay tuned to hear a little bit and then check out the show notes to learn more. And you may also have heard his work featured at one of many worldwide festivals, among them Mata, ISCM World Music Days, St. John's Smith Square in London, Samar Tonar in the Faroe Islands, or Drisco Mania in Lithuania. In any case, it's a joy to have him with us for this conversation today, and here we go. How did you become a composer? Like, did it was it a musical pathway for you? Was it something that started in childhood? Yeah. So, yeah. Long story. Um, That's okay. We have a long time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I Sometimes I, I feel like I really don't know. Um, I I don't come from a musical family, as you call it. Um, although my mother, uh, who didn't have a formal musical training, knew a bit of everything. Um, so she... I started a bit of piano, uh, she knew a bit of music theory, so actually she was my first music teacher and a very informal setting. But this was, I was already, uh, I think, 14 maybe. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, I, I was, you know, older. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: like, I, I, nowadays, I feel like they give people violins when they're five years old. Yeah, so, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. That's, that, that wasn't really the type of, of environment in which I grew in. My, my father was a professor of economics, yeah. so, uh, and I think I got uh, a tendency to think in numbers from him, which of course helps a lot in my composing endeavors. But it really wasn't a, a musical home, so so why I got the the curiosity to start, I don't know. But I mean, we had a couple of instruments lying around, and um, I guess at some point I I felt curious and started making questions, which is probably uh, interesting and a potential answer to how I became a composer. Yeah. So we had a couple of things like around the guitar keyboard, you know. But I became immediately interested in all music theory even before I knew how to play a couple of chords on the guitar side. So, yeah. I started since my, my mom knew music theory, she knew how to read music, she, I would start asking questions about how things work. Yeah. So I think that's kind of a, uh, you know, that says something for me. I, I didn't even know the, uh, what that was at the time. Yeah. I I kind of became interested in knowing how things work even before yeah. being able to play, which is,
0: you know, uh, Yeah, yeah. Kind of, you, you mentioned numbers. Can I ask about math? Like, are you a mathematical person? Do you have a...
1: I mean, <laughs> being in Princeton, I wouldn't call myself, call myself a, <laughs> a mathematical. Not, I I mean, if I think about my colleagues, I think I'm one of those who has a certain inclination to think about process pattern, um, numeric relationships mm-hmm. between musical stuff. You know, yeah. uh, um, there are many ways in which you can really formalize certain parts of your process uh, through numbers, and, and I like that approach. Uh, which of course i try to balance with also being really sensitive to to only what, what I hear. yeah uh, what makes sense to me intuitively but but yes, I uh, yes, I'm sorry, I, that's why I said that I could trace those you know tendencies back to, to both my parents, but yeah uh, but it's fine because none of them was actually music
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> But can we can we follow the you used an interesting word formalized to talk about math as opposed to being sensitive to what you hear and i I wanted to ask and this is to somebody who I feel like I, I have some mathematical intuitions and no musical intuitions mm-hmm. but I I've sometimes heard people describe music as feeling like intuitively like math to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose that's the Bach side of things or something that yeah. you, yeah. Is that is that what you're describing or you're describing something a little different? You're describing math as more like the rigorous side, not the intuitive side.
1: Um, yeah, but I think they are connected. Uh, the rigorous side, I mean, what you call the Bach side. Mm. I, I could relate that to Rigor in music composition, but also, you know, rigor applied to a music that always wants to sound beautiful and and moving, Um, which is for me what what Bach represents, but yeah, uh, beauty basically, yeah, but but also a certain relation to something that is not, uh, you know, like I I don't know, I don't want to sound like super mystical, right? It's it's always sound like it belongs to a place which is not human, or not only human, you know, like this uh, constant question about God, I think you can also trace that with that um, tendency towards uh, symbolism and abstraction that is very very easy to detect, especially in the in the later works, in certain uh in the in the earth, earth field, for instance, on the musical offering, there is mm-hmm. these huge pieces that are um like uh, gifts, musical gifts, yeah, God, but they are abstract pieces of music which have, for instance, no uh they are not written for a special instrument. They are. They just exist on paper, and they are. We have so many different versions of those pieces because he wasn't thinking about a specific instrument. He wasn't thinking about the sound in that way. They are more like, wow. you know, uh, abstract uh, propositions in a way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I. I think many. I. I'm, I am referring to math in that sense, but also in a, in a more direct way. You know, uh, I like to, when I'm writing a piece of music, sometimes I will be surrounded by charts which uh, take account of how many notes I am using in this moment of the piece yeah. and to what amount I want to arrive at a certain time later. And I will try to find ways to formalize those processes through numeric, um, uh, yeah. So, so numeric operations. Uh,
0: yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, there's so much in that answer. And first of all, I'm just completely fascinated at the notion that we have these pieces that Bach was composing without necessarily a particular instrument in mind yeah. as a way of thinking about abstraction. It also makes me want to ask you about other Ways of thinking about the non-human and music. Like I hope we get back and talk about whale songs and whether you're interested in them. But um, but but can I just ask, turn the question, the Bach question to you? Then have you ever composed music that doesn't have an instrument in mind? That's more like a proposition or a abstract music.
1: Interesting. Um, uh, I, I no, not not like that. I think uh, that certain. Pieces, and perhaps especially those which come more from a, let's say, abstract uh, way of thinking, uh, have different potential realizations. And maybe I started by one of them, but there are others that could be explored. You know, uh, I think if a piece was written for a these four instruments. Okay, so maybe it could be potentially realized mm. through other medium. I don't think I, I consciously composed a piece of music that has no instrumentation. Yeah. Uh, decided on my uh, yet. Uh, not that I think. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that also sort of brings me the question. Sticking with the question of the human and the non-human, and this is where I think maybe the fact that I'm an English professor is relevant because I think in words and maybe not just even in words, but also in narrative and plot. So for me, when a piece of music occupies a certain amount of time, I see it as having sequence and structure. And as it happens, the piece of yours that I heard had extremely beautiful singing in it Mm -hmm. and words that I could respond to because they seemed to be telling a story to some extent. Um, how, do you want to just uh, talk about how you think about that, how you think about the voice as one instrument among others, or how you think of what happens when words enter into a piece of music?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do
0: we have it as well? Wow. Yeah, we have, we have as much, and then we have the whales to talk about afterwards, so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't
1: know, um, so I started, when, when I was starting out, my first, since I also didn't come from, my, uh, like I said, super family, so uh, it's not like I, so I, I was interested in theory, but it's not like um, I um, was surrounded by classical music and, you know, uh, that type of learning environment. I started playing yeah. guitar, playing bands. I learned a lot from some writers that I related to and, and worked on my work uh, during my my teens and mm. 20s. And so I, I would say that my formal composition oh. training uh, came much later. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the things I learned, even when, again, I, I was uh, kind of a, a I'm uh, i uh, Interested in theory and mm-hmm. all that. From the from the beginning, I I was basically working in with my say you know like a popular music environment, of mm-hmm. playing bands and learning from some writers and arranging stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, through my instrument, which is the the guitar, like, mm-hmm. especially the electric guitar. Actually, mm-hmm. so I come from that world and say rock or pop. Yeah, know? that's my my initial background. So I would say that uh, when you live there, you are mostly playing songs. Yeah. And songs have a melody which intends to be beautiful and touching. And yeah. You have words. You need to have words. Yeah. Which is not the case for so many other music. So yeah. I think that that stayed with me always, mm-hmm. and it's probably you know. Uh, uh, part of my my core, my musical core for for you know forever. So yeah. I, I I think that when I finally started studying composition in a f- more formal structured way, and I got more into classical music and contemporary music. And then the abstraction became really a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that part of what I've been trying to do is to merge those, you know, those musical sides, so the the abstract and the physical, the the, the abstract and the lyrical, Uh, and and that's especially true, I think in recent years, because I've been working a lot on vocal music. Yeah. Um, And this is actually the piece you are mentioning, the C, is actually the third, Collaboration with Victoria Cocker, which mm-hmm. is this Argentinian poet and friend with whom we've been working together for the last three yeah. or four years. So, were you guys in a rock band together back uh, in the day? No, um, So in 2019, yeah. I, uh, I, I, was invited to. to you know, it was a commission um, that came from an um, Argentinian opera theater. They were. Commissioning joint, uh, you know, like joint commissions of uh, a pair of uh, music composer and, uh, and a poet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we met around that time. We knew some of each other's work from before. We, you know, the, the Buenos Aires and, and no people. Uh-huh. We actually met. The, that was in May 2019, and and we. Created together this uh, piece called Decir, uh, mm-hmm. which is Spanish for to say or, yeah. or to tell, um, which uh, was kind of a, a recital of songs and poetry, a uh, 50, 50 minute show. Uh, we have music that I composed on Victoria's texts, but she was also on stage. Uh, reciting, mm, mm-hmm. It was also like a sort of a visual design which also was portraying some of her poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, that was our first collaboration. And then we wrote two more pieces together. One of, pieces, one of those is The Sea. Could
0: we listen to maybe the first one of these together? Is that okay? Because sure. I love Okay, fantastic. Okay, so we are going to hear uh, Desir number one La Puerta.
3: Una letra sobre otra Sobre otra, sobre otra Una mancha negra, un golpe
0: Cool. Okay. I'm just going to read it out. Um, so it's the door, one letter over another, over another, over another, a black stain, a strike. No. One stain over another, over a letter, now a green door, a strike. No. A melody of the blow and through the skin, a letter over. No. Ah. Sounds beautiful in English, too. Yeah.
1: I agree. yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, um, the translator is the same that did uh, the, the whole translation
0: of is, the, sea. the sea. Yeah,
1: they have been collab- mm-hmm. collaborating together for a while. Yeah. I think So, um, I said, how far can the feeling that Victoria's words sound uh, like they can be translated into English in yeah. a very successful way? Because something about the rhythm of her writing, which is very synthetic, very, you know, it's very. Uh, it's usually based in short sentences yeah. It's very uh, Synthetic For some reason it sounds To me like it pulled Some word in English and it does yeah. So yeah, that's something
0: interesting there. That's interesting
1: Can we just back up
0: to thinking about Listening to this together, which thank you for doing that With me, especially mm-hmm. in a Compressed form <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, What, I mean When you what are you um, what do you want the listener to hear in a piece like that like what are you aware of when you're composing it i know that's a huge question but what do i want the
1: listener to
0: hear i mean again maybe this comes back to me being an english professor and how drawn i am to the words mm-hmm. so it it was actually good to sit here silently with you listening to it because it made me listen To the other instruments besides voice, Mm -hmm. but when I'm listening to something like that, the voice is so strong, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And 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 I want that to be that way. I mean, I want to have the voice the front. In a case like this, I am thinking of these pieces as songs. At least I refer to them as songs, even if they might not follow the verse, chorus, Mm -hmm. pattern, but when I think of a song, I think of a piece of music that uh, has a a, a leading voice, that is singing some text, and and that establishes a relation with with the listener in which the distance is as close as possible, you know, a song for me is something that really wants to touch the listener in a very um yeah like almost like right yeah, you know? yeah 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 uh, which sometimes is not the case if you listen to uh an orchestra piece yeah right um at least to, to me i don't I can't generalize but um yeah so so that's that's one intention and of course then comes the the problem or the challenge of Translating the poetry to music, which is not only setting the words to music, like okay, so this word will have this. Knowledge. Yeah, I will write this melody for this sentence. It's more like it, it, it is that I have to decide if these words are going to be sung by a singer. So how do I make that translation? Yeah. But there's also the whole uh challenge of Building a sonic space for those words. How would that sonic space sound like? Yeah. Uh, Which in the end is is a sort of a a sonic echo of those words. So it's it's really, I mean, to me, it's both fascinating and terrifying uh, Mm -hmm. because, especially with poetry, because they already have decided about rhythm and pace. Yeah. You know? so then you step in and you layer on top of that another set of decisions. Yeah. Uh, but I but I mean it's it's yeah, it's terrifying. It's it's such a beautiful challenge that I keep yeah. coming back to it. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. So do you and Victoria or another collaborator ever compose simultaneously where the words and the music come up together or
1: almost. Uh um, Kind of, yeah. Uh, in this case, I and mean, not exactly a, like uh, Levan McCartney, who were supposed to be sitting in front uh-huh. of each other and completing, uh-huh. uh, completing, you know, each other's uh, sentence with another sentence, uh-huh. not like that. Yeah. But at points, yeah. I mean, we try to. So this is a very long text. I think she wrote like fifteen pages or something. It's, mm-hmm. um, and we were. Working together in the sense that she was writing and I was writing the music. We had, you know, agreed on what were the things that we wanted to write about Mm. and what were our common interests. Um, I wouldn't say things, but there were Mm -hmm. certain ideas that were important for both of us that that would be present, both in the words and the music. So then we were working together. Can you give an
0: example? Just sorry to interrupt, but no. just no, it's fascinating because, again, to come back to how words are representative and then when I listen to music, it feels intimate or emotional or moving, but I can't identify what it's about. So I'd love to hear what are things that it and yeah, so is. And I mean different. Yeah.
1: It's always this impossibility of really yeah. saying what is yeah. it about. But yeah. well, uh, I don't know if it's the most interesting uh, example. But the idea of echo was mm. the oh. idea of thing yeah. that keeps coming back. and probably seeing with different light, but especially in longer words when you have time to make ideas come back. Yeah, you know. With time to digest them, so yeah. How a words come, a word come back, or a short sentence come back in a different context, and how the poem plays with that. You can, you always do that with music. You, yeah. You can quote oh, some, something, sample ten minutes ago, and then it comes back and then with yeah. a different context. And yeah. That's that's one thing that was important for us as a sort of a technical device. Yeah. You know.
0: Um, um. I've always loved that word I don't know if it's the same in Spanish but the word refrain in English because it also has this sense of the verb refrain to like hold back Mm -hmm. you know so it's something amazing about that quality of repetition or not. yeah that it reiterates it goes away and
2: then comes back again yeah.
1: Yeah, well the, yeah. the idea of repetition is, is another one and actually the cover of the album is is a pattern, it's, uh-huh. it's a glacier that is made of, of patterns. Yeah. Uh, and that that's that was a, a huge thing for both of us. But yeah, to come back to your question. So we were writing at the same time and meeting often to exchange ideas, you know, yeah. and, and where we where we were yeah.
0: You mentioned also that you've been thinking about these video installations for a while now too, because with the C, you had that as well. Yeah. Do you see those as, um, uh, yeah, how do you see that question of like composing with some kind of visual accompaniment, is it?
1: Yeah as uh, a tricky one, I would say. So first yeah. I I should say that for the sea, um funny because they sound so similar, the sea.
0: Yeah, see her the sea yeah. uh, and the sea, yeah.
1: And loving patterns as as we do, we, yeah. of course, we were enjoying very much yeah. the unintended pun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for the seal for the album, we yeah. had a couple of um, kind of video clips that uh, were originally part of the live presentation, and then uh, another Argentinian writer, um, sort, of, uh, sort of, sorry, artist, Maximiliano Bellman, made another video style, uh, for, for two of his songs, which are available uh, on the internet. Yeah. Um, and in the case of the scene, this recent work. Charlotte Moonby, the yeah. of the piece, uh, I have to create her for the for the video, which is 100 yeah. percent her creation. And, and it, it, it really shows how much she embodied the, the text and, mm-hmm. and the musical ideas. Um about having video uh as part of the live performance mm-hmm. of the music, yeah. I I, I I sometimes have a conflicted relationship with that because I think that video and image and music yeah. work in such different time scales mm. that they can either work together to build a, a really great uh, impression of what yeah. is going on, or they can completely screw a musical performance. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, because I really think that we perceive those times yeah very differently yeah so I, I I'm, I'm probably would say that I the, the way I enjoy that uh, that crossing of mediums is when they and it's, this is very personal it's probably different yeah. for everyone when I can see those things working together as a, as one yeah force yeah it has a lot to do with time I think. yeah uh, the time of the image doesn't uh, mm-hmm. bring to tension the time of music. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, okay, you can totally refuse to answer this if you want, but since I do 19th century, uh, when I think about that question of the conflict or the confluence mm-hmm. of the image and text, I think about composers like Wagner and the aspiration to the Gesamtkunstwerk, yes. you know, like the notion of totality, yeah. do you? Th- it sounds to me like you're you're kind of an anti-Wagner. You're
1: like, <laughs>
0: like,
1: no, I, you, yeah. no, no, no. I, I wouldn't say that. It's I, I, it's just that I I find it very tricky to achieve a really I mean you know like a hundred percent positive experience in which every layer uh, is, is work. It's it's really helping the point come across. You know. Yeah. And I. I uh, uh, it's it's not because of me, but because of the different minds that were um, collaborating for this this presentation that you you attended of, of this piece, the scene. Yeah. Um, I think that that turned out really 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 great actually. Um, how the text and the music and the video interacted together, uh, and also the light design, which is was very minimal but everything i think what uh, we tried at least to have everything working towards uh, an experience of time that was you know at least classic right mm-hmm. to really give time for the listener to to be immersed yeah that, yeah in that scene that we were creating yeah <laughs> um, but uh, um, I I've had bad experiences trying yeah. to, to you know to make four or five different mediums uh, collide. Uh, it could it could go wrong. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because there's a, always the risk to you know to even too much information. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, or the music becoming one. I won't say music. To, to have one of those mediums be sort of a background for the other, First. or not really yeah. saying something that's important, so, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So, we live in this world where everybody walks around with their music in their ears, right? How does that, does that relate to how you think about composition? I mean, you talked earlier about the intimacy of the lyric, Impulse yeah. versus like orchestral command or dynamic remoteness or something, yeah. but if you you know do you think about the fact that people are getting it you know right up inside their head? Or?
1: Yeah, I I myself I, I I use my headphones all the time to yeah. listen to the the Spotify that I carry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oof. So what, Okay, so two different answers. One is yeah. you sometimes do what you do, which is different than the things that you, as a consumer, yeah. right, yeah. uh, use. Like you know, yeah. you don't necessarily write a piece of music thinking how you you yourself you sure. consume that piece yeah. with your headphones on on your cell phone uh I am of course aware of how things are um you know how how the listening experience takes place usually uh, sometimes the, the, it's just very sad because a lot of the detail that goes into a recording for instance is lost yeah and that's simply I think that happens and uh, it is a bit sad and like okay so a lot of For instance, we we were releasing a full cell phone. There's a The the frequency is super low. Cell phones don't produce those frequencies in an accurate manner, so we are losing a lot of the body of the cell. It's just what it is, I guess. Um, On the other hand, I'm not being able to access to so many may, maybe this is not related with your question, but the, the amount of access that we have and the portability, of course it's it's positive in, a, in so many ways that yeah. we couldn't only complain about music and cell phones. But yes, it's 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 sometimes a bit yeah. Yeah, like a, a lost of opportunity when you listen to a piece and what have a lot of care in being recorded and then
0: those details are not really there for, for, for many reasons. Yeah. So, Francisco, I have one final question for you, which is just where do you see your own composition practice headed? I mean, do you have a vision of the sorts of things you want to do in the short term, medium, long term?
1: I have to come up with a dissertation. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I. I I don't know, I know that, uh, so uh, like I said, I've been writing a lot of music for voice recently, so that means thinking a lot about text, thinking a lot about poetry, how those mediums differ, how to, to what extent they are similar, the translation from one to the other, and that uh along with the a, a type of collaborative work, a type of collaboration in which you know there is in this case a poet present, but could be a visual artist present. That's a world in which I like to live. Uh probably more than just writing a piece in complete isolation mm-hmm. in my studio, uh, for whatever instrument it is. But you know, it, it's uh, of course I do that and we probably keep doing that, but being immersed in a collabora in a in a composition project that involves more people, different ideas on how to deal with time, sound, image. Yeah. It's, it's a space that I love uh, uh taking part yeah. into. So I will probably love to. Explore yeah. more plans. So,
0: so is it fair to say your teenage okay. years as a rock and roller left left the mark on you? Like
1: absolutely. <laughs> and and I, I, the other day, I, I was uh, chatting with a colleague uh, in, the, in the department. I, oh. I, we, we said the same. Like, you became a musician because you love know, what. Well, the feelings that yeah. the music gave you, but you yeah. were also wanting to spend more time with these dudes yeah your friends because yeah. uh, of how they were as a musician, but also because how they were as a person. So yeah. maybe the mus- we can't figure out the music later, but we want to spend more time together. Yeah. Uh, in a funny way, 20, 30 years later, that comes back as, uh, as a way to spend more time Doing things that are not only your own, but more like a uh, mm-hmm. more complex body with different minds involved. And yes. Definitely.
0: Yeah. I actually think that's a beautiful personal connection to end on because I I said that I don't know anything about music and it's true. But in college, the most important thing I did was I was on the radio station <laughs> and I was on the rock and roll slash punk rock. Yeah. record hospital was called yeah. and it's what you just described of like wanting to spend time with that bunch of guys and girls you know just mm-hmm. like that was my group that was my community and now for you know whatever it is 30 at least 30 years later probably 40 if I calculated it out but let's say 30 let's say 30 <laughs> yeah. um you know uh, 30 years later is that I like spending time with other people talking about poems and talking about novels in the same way that we used to talk about songs. So music, talking about music, like explaining why we loved or arguing about what we loved and why we loved it, probably is what gave me the vocabulary for what I do now, which is, you know, yes. the same thing with art, artwork. So, yeah. so that's that's nice to think about, you know, that way in which the things that we do when we're, say, 15 to 25, every one of those years hits us so deeply. We just don't know how. You know, it's clearly forming us, but it might take two decades to figure out yeah. what the formation is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, you, and you, you never know at, at that moment. You're always yeah. like looking back, but I mean, I don't know, I am enjoying realizing that that happens. It's, it's uh, I don't know, it, it, in a way it makes the universe makes more sense, right? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 of course, those formative years are also, you know, it's the, your history, your family's history, and, and yeah. whatever you are doing, creating in this case, uh, yeah. finding that that has a connection to those roots is to me is very moving and, and an influence. You know, it's 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 a way of also thinking forward. Okay? Yeah. So what do I do with this? Because this is really yeah. important to me. Yeah. So I, I had to pay attention and listen and do do something with like this.
0: Yeah. So cool. yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. It's a great oh, pleasure. Thank you
1: again yeah, for having me
2: thank yeah. You. Yeah.
0: Recall this book was founded by Elizabeth Ferry and me, John Plotz. It is sponsored by Brandeis and the Mandel Humanities Center. Sound editing is by Naomi Cohen, website design and social media by Miranda Puri of the English Department. We're eager to hear your comments, criticisms and thoughts. If you liked what you hear, please subscribe, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. From all of us here at RTB, thanks for listening.